Hey Changemaker, welcome back. This is Julia Wicklander, and today we will dive into my home country, Sweden. When looking at gender equality rates globally, uh, Sweden has been in the top five countries for a very long time. Internationally, Sweden has been known for its focus on development, aid, and gender equality. The previous government pioneered a feminist foreign policy, and Sweden has prioritized sexual and reproductive health and rights globally. However, um, in recent years, we have seen a shift in the public discourse on these issues. So in this episode, I share a few conversations that I had at the Swedish Gender Equality Forum a couple of weeks ago. It was a gathering of experts, advocates, as well as representatives from government, public, and private sectors. I speak to a representative from academia, the general secretary of the Swedish women's organizations, and the newly appointed minister of gender equality. I wanted to explore what they think about Sweden, and if Sweden can still be seen as a leader in gender equality. My name is Niklas Järvklo. I wrote a uh, dissertation, uh, my PhD dissertation, on uh, national masculinity policy in Sweden. I spoke to Niklas after he took the stage at the Swedish Gender Equality Forum in Malmö, Sweden. He shared a short history of the development of and involvement of men in gender equality policies in Sweden. He mentioned the fact that men have been included in gender equality reforms from the early policies. For example, paid parental leave for fathers was initiated. <clears throat> for example, paid parental leave for fathers was initiated in Sweden during the 1970s, something that doesn't exist at all in many parts of the world. As a country that has come far in gender equality, I asked Niklas to share a bit about the masculinity norms in Sweden and how they've changed over time. Sweden has definitely been pioneering uh, in this regard internationally, starting in the 1970s with paid parental leave, etc. And it, from the beginning, it was also very important in Sweden that gender equality was an issue both for women and men try to include men in as a part of the solution for gender equality, uh, trying to uh, build uh, knowledge and uh, opinion about that men were also affected by uh, gender equality policy, had any responsibility and had something to gain from, from gender equal norms. So Sweden has done a lot. Uh, I think it um, goes in waves sort of the engagement from a policy level and the public uh, debate also in Sweden. And, uh, well, currently I, I think it's a, a mix. We have a sort of um, a new conservative movement uh, globally, also in Sweden, in a lot of uh, European countries. Uh, Right-wing extreme uh, policy being um, more mainstreamed and that has an effect on gender equality debate, for sure. Yeah, and Sweden was one of those first countries that introduced a feminist foreign policy. Um, uh, now that has been taken away as, as not sort of um, a part of the policies here with the new government. Um, can, can you share a little bit about that, perhaps? 
I think uh, definitely you see examples of how you sort of change the way you talk about this feminism uh, being now a, a word, uh, a concept that you don't use as much on a governmental level, uh, and you can uh, well you you can be worried about that if you're a feminist for sure. But I also say that Sweden has a very strong feminist base in civil society uh, among policymakers on many different uh, political levels and on both sides of the political spectrum I'd say from both right wing and left wing uh, policymakers. So I would say that Sweden is a strong feminist country and will continue to be that. I think it's not um, that dangerous at is as it may seem if you're not living in Sweden just thinking about what is happening. So Niklas doesn't seem so concerned that Sweden will lose its feminist identity despite the new government's policies. I ask Niklas if the world still can look at Sweden as a leader in gender equality given the rise in anti-rights and anti-gender movements that we're seeing in both Europe and in Sweden. I think uh, the rest of the world should demand that Sweden has a, a strong feminist word uh, uh, voice. I, I think you should demand of Sweden to have a, a, a leading role in these issues because uh, that is a position we should have and it's important globally that we take that responsibility. I don't think we will do that if there's not a, a push for it. I think uh, don't look up to Sweden but demand action from Sweden. We can deliver and we should. After the elections in September 2022, a new minority government was elected in Sweden, with support from the Sweden Democrats, the far-right party with Nazi roots that became the largest party after the latest election. The government consists of three parties, the Moderates, the Christian Democrats, and the Liberals. I asked Paulina Brandberg, the new gender equality minister in Sweden, what she thinks. Can we still see Sweden as a leader in gender equality? I, I absolutely think we can. Uh, I think that we have uh, come far in Sweden. We have, um, even though there is still a lot to be done, uh, we have, for example, when we look at our legislation on, on sex crimes, for example, uh, we have a very broad legislation. We have a legislation that actually uh, is based on consent, which is something that I, as a former prosecutor, is very, very proud of because I think that's a very um, good standpoint from, from this from from the legislator. Uh, and also, if we look at, for example, uh, parental leave, we know that even though it's there is still much work to be done, it's um, most fathers. Uh, choose to be home with their kids uh, at least for a while during during their first year in life uh, you don't have to go far uh, to other countries where that's almost impossible for a, a new dad to go to his boss and ask for parental leave so I think that we do have a lot to be proud of in Sweden but of course there is much work to be done 
in many countries around the world are of course looking to Sweden as an example um, and now with this new government we've seen um, that uh, the feminist foreign policy has been taken out or the, the naming of it, just uh, foreign aid is being decreased and so on. How would you like to uh, just speak about Sweden being a role model also in, in our global policies as a gender equality leader? Uh, when it comes to the the foreign politics, um, we have the, the, the label feminist label uh, is not used by our minister for foreign affairs. But um, when you look at the content of the politics, uh, we we have not lowered our ambitions in any way compared to the last government. We still have very high ambitions when it comes to to equality in uh, the international context. You can only look now when Sweden has taken over the, the EU, uh, EU presidency. Um, we have a lot of focus on gender equality, uh, which I am very proud of as the Minister for Gender Equality. Uh, I think during these six months that we hold the presidency, we will arrange six conferences on gender equality and we have many EU files that we are pushing forward on the gender equality in the gender equality field and the the gender equality perspective is is integrated in in all our politics so we have not lowered our ambitions in any way but we try to to work smarter and we also um, think that the label is not what's important the important is uh, the content of the politics mm -hmm. So is the feminist label important? Although Niklas and Paulina don't seem so concerned, many would say yes, as it is a strong statement that gender equality is a part of every aspect of not only foreign policy and development aid, but diplomatic relations as well. When looking at the content of gender equality in the agreement that the governing parties have made with the Sweden Democrats, it is clear that gender equality is not one of the government's top priorities. The Swedish women's organizations have criticized the agreement that is the basis for the government's priorities for its upcoming mandate. They say that the agreement decreases the safety and security of women, especially for women seeking asylum in Sweden. The government prioritizes a harsh migration policy and it aims to be the harshest in Europe. In a time when a feminist revolution is taking place in Iran, women's rights are completely torn apart in Afghanistan, and women are victims of human trafficking in Ukraine. Several gender equality advocates and women's rights activists in Sweden have criticized the agreement and the government's collaboration with the Sweden Democrats. In light of this, I asked Paulina Brandberg one final question. As we're also looking to Europe um, and seeing that across Europe there is a growing sort of anti-sexual reproductive rights movement, anti-gender, uh, anti-women movements in different parts of, of Europe. Um, and of course these are linked to sort of anti-democratic and, and far-right movements. Um, how do you see sort of that being impacted in Sweden also with the government's collaboration with the Swedish Democrats? Um, um, do you have any any comment on that? Uh, I mean, this this government, we have an agreement uh, on some political areas where we uh, negotiate with the four parties that uh, 
is is a base for this government but we do a lot of politics outside also of this agreement and i have i don't as a as a minister of gender equality as a, as a liberal i don't feel hindered i don't feel that there is resistance uh, for example when we talk about uh sexual and reproductive rights when you look at abortion rights for example which is part of the agreement before between our four parties that we want to strengthen this right so Uh, I don't feel that these rights are threatened um, with this government. I think that that uh, I, as a minister of gender equality, have uh, every everything I need to to push this this work forward. I spoke to Clara Berglund, who is the general secretary at the Swedish women's organizations, about the situation for gender equality in Sweden today. And she was not as optimistic as the gender equality minister. My name is Clara Berglund and I'm the secretary general of Sveriges kvinnorganisationer. So we are an umbrella organization for the Swedish women's movement with uh, 50 member organizations representing 130,000 um, women and girls from all over Sweden. Thank you. So you just came off stage uh, with a lot of uh, representatives from other women's organizations in the Nordic countries. Um, you mentioned specifically also the growing backlash that we've seen the, in recent years uh, to gender equality. Um, can you speak a little bit about what that looks like and what threats you see in, in Sweden today? I think that in Sweden and um, many other parts of the world, we have a uh, growing um, threat against women's rights and girls' rights that's coming from a um, ultra-conservative, extreme right-wing uh, populist movement, sometimes also fundamentalistic uh, religious uh, groups that have uh, joined forces and that they are uh, questioning women's rights to decide over their own bodies and especially sexual and reproductive health and rights. Uh, on the other hand, we also see a growing threat against women's bodies that's coming from, or women's rights that's coming from um, Um, a neoliberal agenda uh, and um, identity politics um, that is um, uh, recognizing women's re sexual and reproductive health rights, but also thinking that those rights are possible to sell on the market. Um, so that's coming from a completely different direction. So the um, direction. So we're talking about it in the in the panel. How, for example. Uh, the Swedish legislation on prostitution and, and the Norwegian um, legislation on prostitution that has been groundbreaking for women's rights is questioned by those voices. Uh, so that's happening at the same time. Yeah, and we recently had an, an election here in Sweden um, and maybe linked to what you're saying, uh, we're also seeing big disparities between how women and men, or especially young men and young women, are voting. Um, and I spoke to Niklas uh, Järvklo, who also just shared sort of the history of, of Sweden and that um, that this might not be something that's completely new, but uh, comes and goes in waves. But at the same time, he also mentioned that um, Uh, the gender equality movement in Sweden has has been from the start, uh, a, and you also say that it's been sort of this collaboration between men and women. Um, so can you speak a little bit about what what that looks like and, and what you think we can do to sort of eliminate that, that gap? I think um, 
it's been the history of the women's movement and gender equality struggles in Sweden that we have joined forces with trade unions, with the women's movement, with politicians from uh, left and right, but also uh, many women and men have worked on these issues together and that has been part of our success story. For example, if you compare to other countries, there has been a lot more uh, tension between uh, like the sex wars, for example, in the US or in Great Britain had been much more, um, um, has taken a much bigger part in the, in the feminist struggle than here. So um, I think that what's worrying is that right now we are seeing that many, especially young, young men and boys are mobilizing around anti-feminism and anti-feminism uh, leaders. Um, and they are questioning uh, if women are, for example, we have some some surveys that show that young men are more skeptical, uh, more have more negative attitudes to women as leaders than their grandfathers had. So they are really, you know, we can see a shift. And as you mentioned, it was also clear in this this election that young uh, women and young men have very different views and values, especially when it comes to gender equality and women's rights. Um, so I think it's. Uh, I think it's a very worrying trend. Clearly, Clara can see the effects of the backlash on women's rights through her work with women's organizations around the country. As this is a podcast meant to support changemakers taking on difficult challenges for gender equality, human rights, social justice, and sustainability, I ask Clara what keeps her hopeful when it seems like the development is taking a turn for the worse in one of the world's most gender equal countries. I think the hope is in the movement. Uh, so coming together as this conference, but also other occasions where uh, all of us that work for gender equality and uh, women's rights and feminism, that we can get together and learn from each other, but also give each other strength to carry on. So I think that these years that we've had about of um, online meetings and virtual conferences and um, it has been had uh, positive things as well but it's something else to come together at the same time and to feel the the strength that our movement is so i think that's where the hope is There are several conversations that I look forward to having with my fellow Swedes about gender equality and feminism. As there is also a strong backlash on LGBTQ rights in Sweden. In recent months, there have been several news stories of politicians in the Sweden Democrat Party cracking down on drag queen story hours at libraries or traditional choirs led by non-binary individuals. The rights of these groups need to be integrated into all forms of gender equality policies without it being seen as a threat to women's rights. I think what's mostly missing from the Nordic model is more uh, intersectionality. That was Ruth Einarsdottir, General Secretary of the Women's Rights Organization in Iceland, from the stage at the forum. As she mentioned, Women of color and women with an immigrant background are left out of a lot of the gender equality policies and are also at a larger extent duly discriminated against at an institutional level. Prejudice and racism is still rampant and in many ways becoming tolerated given the new government's rhetoric and policies. 
After Girls Globe posted a reel on Instagram from the forum where Ruth says, hearing that we're number one makes me really sad because what does that say about the rest of the world? An Icelandic user replied in a message saying, yes, in Iceland we are number one and we never talk about race and racism and how women of color experience daily institutional oppression. The user continues to point out, we need to look at structural inequality and shares that there is so much trauma from the daily gaslighting. So although Sweden and the other Nordic countries have come far, there is still so much to be done to ensure that gender equality will continue to be prioritized and further development can be seen. Perhaps this is a time when the countries can reflect on the movement's shortcomings, learn and grow, and look to a global solidarity for inspiration and support. I would really love for you to share your thoughts on this episode and on any of the episodes that we release. Um, the Hey Changemaker podcast is really for changemakers and with changemakers, so please share your thoughts. And the best place to continue the conversation is on girlsglobe.org changemaker, where you can find every episode of the podcast, and in each episode, you can find a space to share comments. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Take care, changemaker.